Good morning. Today is Tuesday, December 28, 2021. Perhaps the most poignant persecution of the Jews in Egypt was Paro's decree in last week's Parsha, called Habain Hayilud Hayora Tashli Huhu, that every newborn baby boy would be thrown into the river to drown. So many parents mourning the loss of a newborn child. Even when it's not due to a monstrous decree of persecution, the loss of a baby late in pregnancy or just after birth is heartbreaking and traumatic. I want to share with you a monumental transition in Jewish law over the last 35 years on this subject. And with my wife's permission, I want to tell you our story. About 35 years ago, we lost a baby, a baby boy, late in pregnancy. And we did what the experts told us to do. And as Orthodox Jews, we did what our rabbis told us to do. After he was delivered, we declined to hold our baby or to see our baby or to take a photo or a footprint. The Jewish funeral home took care of all of the arrangements for us. There was a symbolic bris circumcision, which is a long-standing Jewish custom in this situation which we did not attend. He was buried in the Jewish cemetery. We did not attend. There was no funeral. There was no monument placed on his grave though we were later told the location and later we did visit that spot. The funeral home was kind, sympathetic, helpful. They did not charge us for their services. We gave our baby a name, Rachamim, which means mercy. We have a baby named Rachamim. We did not sit Shiva. 
or say Kaddish as the experts and our rabbis told us so that we could move on so that we could leave this behind us and move forward with our lives. And we did. We healed with time, with our children, though the depth and length of our pain was far greater than we realized until much later. And I am certain we still underestimate the impact this has had and has on our lives. And I learned more. I learned more from experts who were now giving very different advice and from rabbis who explained things very differently. And since that time, 35 years ago, I have had the heartbreaking privilege to guide couples going through this in a very different way than the way we did it. And hopefully by sharing this today, others will understand and act differently than we did. We spend so much time and effort, and money, and emotional energy trying to avoid pain. <clears throat> Don't think about it. Move on. Put it behind you. But here's the truth. The only way to the other side of pain is through it. And the other truth is everyone grieves in their own way. There is no right or wrong way. There is only the way that is right for me. The way that is right for you. Now, even today, many religious Jews read and hear from their rabbis and practice what we did all those years ago. For some of them, this may be right for them. But everyone Every Jewish couple deserves to know there are options. There has been a monumental shift 
over these last 35 years in how many apply Jewish law, Jewish practice to this experience today. I came to see what we did is, in my opinion, a misreading of our classical Jewish sources. And, in my opinion, this is true for many halakhic authorities and helping professionals today. The morning practices that we avoided are not prohibited by Jewish law. That's the mistake that I think so many people make. They are simply not demanded. Precisely because our rabbis understood that at this vulnerable, liminal moment, different couples need different expressions, different modes, different outlets. And Jewish law offers that understanding and that flexibility. Since our own loss, when a couple suffers a late abortion or miscarriage or stillbirth, or the passing of a newborn, I encourage considering options. And I try to provide the wisdom of Jewish law and Jewish practice to support those options. I encourage couples to hold their baby, to talk to him or her, to take photos, mementos, to connect to the name they give him or her. I encourage couples to attend and participate in the burial if they can, if they want, and to consider, if they want, to ask select others to join them and to consider, if they want, sharing or hearing words of prayer and Torah to elevate and sanctify this sacred transition. I encourage placing a monument on the grave and visiting. I encourage making use of the forms of Shiva and saying Kaddish, the mourner's prayer, in a way that is comfortable for them. 
parents have the flexibility to design and choose how they will mourn from the toolbox Jewish law provides. Even if sitting Shiva is not required, it is available for someone who wants to stay home and reflect for a while or to be surrounded and supported by close family and friends if they wish. Although Kaddish is not required, it is available. It is permissible to take the opportunity to be surrounded by a supportive minion to connect more deeply with God who mourns together with us. As I've shared elsewhere, the central line of Kaddish, Yehei Shmei Rabbah Mavarach, may God's name, which has been diminished through the death of this innocent child be once again made whole forever. It is very important that we as a community never pass judgment on how a couple navigates this trauma. And with rare exceptions, we should not offer unsolicited advice. And it is crucial that couples going through this have access to rabbis and sources that support making use of all of the helping tools our tradition can offer in a way that works for them. <clears throat> 35 years ago, <clears throat> I did not have a rabbi like that. So I became that. Along with more and more rabbis and other professionals today, with halachic expertise, profound sensitivity and experience, who learn from the best psychologists and researchers and who integrate all of that in a way that is uniquely suited to be meaningful and helpful for each couple. We cannot remove pain, but we can try to guide through it to the other side. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.